Hi, I am Alu and I am your host at Fitteros. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat, the podcast by Fitteros. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat by Fitterobic. If you're looking to improve your health and well-being to lead a healthy, fit and fulfilling life, whether you're an amateur or a professional athlete, this podcast is for you. Now, on to the show. Today I'm joining Janvi Chitalia, an integrative gut microbiome health coach and functional medicine nutritionist based in Mumbai, India. She champions in designing dietary interventions that can help in reversal of medical conditions through optimal nutrition. This episode is being presented in two parts. In part one of the episode, we will understand from our guest about gut microbiome, why it is important to keep our gut healthy, why are we sensitive to certain food items and how eating them affects our health. We will also learn about misconceptions we have about our diet. Let's discuss about the science of an unhealthy gut and how we can keep our gut healthy for our well-being. Welcome to the show, Janvi. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alok. It's a pleasure to be here today. What do you do? Uh, from where did you get this and interest to take up nutrition science as a profession? And what are the areas that you specialize in? So primarily, I think this journey started, uh, you know, I think almost about seven, eight or 10 years back, you can say. So it is also a part of being on a personal journey towards getting fit much, much earlier before um, after school, which got me interested in the field of nutrition, exercise and a lot of things. And um, I kind of found that I wanted to kind of look at what are the real challenges that people have when they go through a process of getting fitter because I experienced it first-handed myself. So I wanted to ensure that we can look at the real you know, aspects of everything that goes into getting into the right ideal weight, right kind of ideal parameters. And I think just trying to research more, read more information got me into the space where I said, I want to explore this through a more scientific perspective. And when I did that, I realized that... Um, this is an amazing field to really reach out and start a revolution of helping people just the way that I got myself onto that journey. Um, for the first three to four years, I practiced nutrition, uh, did the basic course of nutrition and you know started practicing that. And this I did much after I'd kind of graduated. So it was like a whole new um, you know sense of wanting to commit to something so new after even finishing college and things like that. But I think I was really passionate about getting the answers and that's how I did. And But primarily, I think the pivotal point for me lies in um, when people would come and say, hey, I have diabetes, I have blood pressure, I have liver um, you know, issues, I have these kind of conditions, I have thyroid. And we would be able to help them. Absolutely. But we would, and they would probably lose weight, they would get fit, they'd feel like they have achieved some amount of um, results. But I think when we used to find those people probably call me like a year later or a three year later and say, hey, you know what, this issue is resurfaced and I'm really dealing with the same issue again and I've not been able to keep up and I've not been able to follow through and I don't know what is up with my body now. I think that was the turning point for me where I said that maybe, you know what, it's not about just saying that the, whether the person has been compliant with what they're doing, but it's also with understanding that maybe if we can give them something which fundamentally changes something very very specific at a cellular level in their body they would probably be able to hold more results than they do and finding the root cause of the problem was something that I was in a quest on and I think while I was looking for the root cause that is when I started to explore the area of gut health the last two to three years 
has been primarily learning more and more about this space and then moving into this vast amazing space of gut health has been a journey of wanting mm-hmm. to really get more deep answers and help people really get the actual insights of what is wrong with them so i think awesome. working with medical conditions that was my passion and i think that's how i said okay now i want to go one step ahead and help people more majority of uh, mm-hmm. the diet programs and nutrition programs ends after a period and yeah. that's where they relapse yeah. and you are trying to address that area specifically yeah. where you fix the body itself at the cellular level so that the yeah. problem does not arise correct which is i i would say in a way amazing work that that you are doing thank you so much for that uh, so a pick up from that uh, i think majority of people would not understand what exactly a gut microbiome is correct. except for the bio fraternity or people who yeah. are related to medical professional so could you please explain uh, for the audience what exactly is gut microbiome mm-hmm. and uh, how it influences our body uh, and how it affects our overall correct so primarily first of all the gut when you're looking at is can be simply divided into the small large intestine and essentially your digestive system as we understand starts from the mouth and ends in the anus so this entire system is diverse at the amount of things that it does and we really underestimate the power of how digestion can really impact so many different aspects of our life and primarily more even so um, you know without understanding that there's a completely amazing universe or an ecosystem that lies within our large intestine which is where you call it the microbiome where you have like where we almost say that we're almost 90% of our cells belong to the microbes and we're yes. only 10% human you know so we're more of a micro organism than we're like a super micro you know like a super micro organism than a True. super human and you know i think the humility that it creates about how much they impact your uh, body is an amazing uh, you know kind of aspect to look at your body or yourself in a different way so um, the gut microbiome primarily is to look at how these microbes that live in tandem so we have about 80% good bacteria and 20% bad bacteria that is approximately a good balance to be in now often because of several reasons anything from maybe having you know erratic diets you know maybe not very competent lifestyles having probably a lot of stress also dealing with lack of physical activity yeah. dealing with maybe having a lot of maybe uh, antibiotics nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories uh, painkillers you know maybe having um, you know issues with sleep all of these alter the way this 80 20 balances to say so in a very simple manner and the synergy of the beauty of the good bacteria and bad bacteria that live together is beautiful but when you tip off this balance is when all the issues start anything from a diabetes to a blood pressure to a acid reflux to a constipation ibs all of these or even heart disease can find its underpinnings in starting with the dysbiosis or the imbalance of the gut microbiome okay. now what we really typically also want to understand is the gut microbiome not only influences our digestive forces mm-hmm. but they have an impact on practically almost every other function of our body from our hormonal balance which is to do with our thyroid which is to do with our you know even um, like menstruation and all of these things as well also to do with uh, our mental health so okay. a lot of today we're hearing a lot about anxiety than we were speaking about yes. that before and a huge amount of that is correlated with having lack of the good species of bacteria in our system so you know a lot of it 
goes back to the gut brain axis a lot of it goes back to the imbalance of the microbiome so even that as well also even when it comes to our overall immune function mm-hmm. in the last thing 2 to 3 years everybody's spoken about how immunity is so important exactly. in covid and the beauty of this is that we understand that 70% or more than 70% of our immune system lies in our gut today if somebody you go back to your biology class you'll remember what your digestive system looks like you'll probably remember what your respiratory system looks like so when we ask you to say okay how does your immune system look nobody no has one. an answer that's because it's so abstract and you sometimes don't realize how uh-huh. these things show up right and that's exactly because it's in your gut so really taking care of immune function uh-huh. also has a lot to do with your gut health so primarily this gut microbiome to summarize is like like i said a ecosystem or a universe where you have bacteria fungi viruses uh archetype a lot of things living together yeah. in balance and you want to try and do your best to keep this balance in place so that we right. can keep our body in as much as homeostasis or balance as possible that's very really interesting to yeah. know we talked about good bacteria and bad bacteria yeah. from the body perspective and uh, mm. we would definitely would want to understand mm. how food impacts good good bacteria and bad Yeah, imbalance. Mm. Like how it creates that imbalance. Correct. Especially, uh, we we have seen a lot of food intolerances yes. uh, these days. Yeah. And uh, the there's whole new category of gluten free products that yes. are, that has come up yes, in the market, and, and they're selling at a I would say exorbitant price. Yeah. Uh, so, are these uh, say gluten free products mm. really effective in in helping with the good and bad bacteria mm. balance? uh and uh who is it for is it for common man like mm-hmm. everyone i mean all of us or is it only for a specific set of people who would cons- need gluten free products to mm-hmm. eat or is it for like everyone should shift from uh normal products to gluten free products absolutely so let's probably start with the food intolerance bit first sure. so food intolerances primarily are definitely as you would say so something called an igg which is a immune mediated response that you have where the body is looking at more of a delayed response to foods like let me give you a very simple example to illustrate now there could be somebody who's having um wheat and today we're hearing because we're talking about gluten free products they could have and they could be intolerant to wheat maybe eat say puri at 2 o'clock in the afternoon for lunch with you know maybe yeah. their sabji and enjoy that meal scrumptious meal they love it but maybe not on that day but maybe almost say 48 hours later mm-hmm. they could have a really really bad bout of stomach pain they could have a lot of gas or fermentation that's happening oh. maybe have some acid reflux which adds on as well uh, maybe also have an altered stool the next morning um after they you know maybe after 48 hours have like a maybe a semi solid stool instead of a normal stool and a lot of other symptoms show up and then you find somebody you know who's dealing with that come back and say hey what did i eat today i didn't eat anything wrong i ate yeah. my normal food and i don't know what went wrong you know and why did i experience this and that's when you realize that a lot of times people don't understand that a food intolerance could actually act upon your system as much as even 24 48 or even 72 hours later so it's very very difficult to sometimes add back and stitch it up and tie the knots together and see where it's coming from so a food intolerances now are becoming very common because essentially the food that we're eating has really changed 
So they used to say that there was, you know, when you used to have um, gluten or wheat, you know, gluten basically is a protein that is found in wheat. Yeah. And when we used to have that earlier, when we used to have wheat, it was, they say there were 21 chromosomes. Yes. And now it's about 42 chromosomes. So there's almost like a genetic shift in the kind of chromos chromosomal kind of presentation of that food as well. So, I mean, when we realize that at that level, there is a difference, obviously there's going to be a difference in the way your body responds to that food as well. Because it's not structurally the same anymore. You know, it's like you cannot just add another chromosome and just, you know, like there has to be, there will be some abnormality. So what we're trying to get at is that as far as gluten-free foods are concerned, essentially it's not about just going into that stream where you say everybody has to go gluten-free. But I think it is essentially very important to understand or evaluate first whether you are gluten sensitive. Now, the best mm -hmm. test that I would ask people to take for it is maybe, you know, kind of if they have any kind of symptoms, they have a recurrent headache, they have, um, you know, stomach pain, they have probably, you know, uh, altered stool, like I yes. said, they have a lot of, um, maybe even they have a lot of burning in the chest. They have all of these complaints. They have a lot of bloating. You know, which a lot of people complain of having really, really unexplained bloating. All of these typically are very closely related to symptoms of intolerance. And when they have that, what they could typically do is three days, probably completely eliminate having any form of gluten or wheat or even maida. So if they're having dalia, which is also, you know, a barley or rava, all of these to eliminate maida, to eliminate any kind of wheat or maida based products for maybe about three days and see how their body responds after three days of not having it. The beauty is your microbiome starts altering in three to five days of not having a food that you're intolerant to. It's that quick. So the moment you don't have it, you will know if your body is not, you know, it's coming from that space of eating a particular food, they will instantly start to feel better. Some amount of symptoms will go down. So essentially, I think that would be a really easy test for most people to do before deciding that they want to go down the whole gluten-free food track or not. Secondly, yeah. also just one last thing that I'd like to add with gluten-free foods, definitely I think it's great that they're available, but it's very essential to understand that not every item written on a gluten-free uh, kind of a you know packet or maybe an atta is okay. Like a lot of gluten-free today, we're talking about a multi-grain atta. Often they are now trying to not put wheat in it or not put yes. medar in it, but they are putting corn in it. They are putting other kind of, you know, like maize flour in it, which is not good again, which could be another very high intolerance marker. So it's very important to start being aware that just because it's gluten free doesn't mean it's necessarily healthy. So learning to really read the label and understanding what foods, for example, even a simple example like oats. Oats is again another very, very widely used substitute today yes. for wheat, which also has another, you know, like the brother protein called Glidin, which also people have intolerance to. So, of you know, almost very close to gluten. It's like the same family, like brothers and sisters. Yeah. So you need to know what you're intolerant to. And I think that's essentially why you need to do this litmus test of maybe eliminating wheat first for three days. Then see, you want to put it back and see how it works. Maybe eliminating oats mm -hmm. and seeing if you're having that. And obviously, if you still don't understand, then you can definitely take an expert opinion. Quite an interesting insight and very, very insightful uh, to a normal person, uh, it would be very difficult for them to even understand how food can cause yeah. so much of problem within Absolutely. the body, right? And uh, I have a follow-up question on this. Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, there's another term, along with food intolerance that come goes mm -hmm. is food allergies, yeah. right? You, you, are, you would love to talk about food allergies. Uh, yeah. 
that. So yeah, I, we would want to understand how exactly food intolerance and food allergies are. Are they same? Are they different? Yeah. Uh, how one can get allergies? Sometimes they may not be intolerant, yeah. but they may get allergies because of certain types of food which mm-hmm. they are not aware mm-hmm. uh, to take. Correct. Absolutely. So food intolerance and allergy, I often find a lot of my clients synonymously use that term and interchange it and say, I have intolerance and I have allergy of this food, but actually they're pretty different. So food allergies primarily are to do again with the IgE mediated response, which is another immune response, which you will technically find in most cases, it should be almost immediate. And today when we hear of maybe even kids having uh, you know, we'd say that a lot of kids have nut allergy or peanut allergy and they have that and they suddenly break out into hives. They start feeling like they're choking and that kind of a sensation is particularly seen when there is, there's a basically a constriction of the airways that can happen. The moment the body or the immune system recognizes that mm-hmm. a food that it is, uh, you know, very, very allergic to has come into the system. So basically the breathing can get very constricted, choking can happen and in very severe cases, there can be an, an, uh, you know, an anaphylactic shock, which is where the body goes oh, into a shock yeah. because of that food as well. So it could be a case of very severe allergy, not in every other case. Mm-hmm. So primarily, you can distinguish an allergy as saying A is a IgE response. Secondly, it is more to do with presentation of respiratory symptoms first. Like you'll see, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit of like a mucus phlegm or you'll see um, runny nose, you'll feel a cough or you'll feel any of these symptoms of constriction and breathing, they are normally the symptoms that you see first over digestive symptoms. Secondly, the other aspect is that you'll see a lot of skin presentation involved in this as well, like urticarial uh-huh. presentation or hives, people who get these red itchy bumps that suddenly yes. come up after eating something. Yes. That could also be related to allergies as well. So when you have an allergy, and normally the action time for figuring out an allergy is much simpler, it can be anything from 10 to 15 minutes to within two to three hours. You will probably most likely mm-hmm. see an allergy response. And most people, as you say, okay, I had an Allegra yeah. or I had a, you know, I had yes. a Cetrazine or I had something to help uh-huh. me calm that down. Yeah. A lot of people have that because, you know, they can kind of normally find it easier to point out that I've had an allergy. So, um, and most people over a period of time even become more aware of allergies that they have over intolerances. So I think essentially it's very important that first you understand that they are not synonymous and dealing with them, you know, um, specifically, yes, you can always eliminate both kind to see a difference and you will see a difference even when you eliminate your allergy markers as well. But in most cases, I think knowing the difference is very important because another aspect about allergy is that there are environmental markers, which are also a part of it. Like you'll not, intolerance never has an environmental marker. While you will probably think of maybe say, uh, if you have a pet at home and you're allergic to probably the hair of the dog, yeah, you know, yeah. or you're maybe allergic to dust, um, you know, or maybe mites, so things like uh, that, which you can't see sometimes to naked eye, that would also raise your IgE, even if it's not coming from your food. So okay. that could be an environmental allergy, which normally when you do something like an IgE test with a fadia top, you okay. will be able to recognize if it's coming from an environmental allergen as well or not. So mm-hmm. these are the differences. And I think essentially... That is why, first of all, really being sure about, especially for younger children or kids, I would very strongly recommend parents to be able to distinguish if they have an intolerance or an allergy because allergy can get very, very, um, it can in very, very few, in some cases can get really, really serious. So it's very important that it's distinguished. Only when you distinguish can you decide when you have an episode that what are you actually dealing with. 
what are some common misconceptions people have about their food habit and uh, especially that are leading to intolerance you talked about some of uh, these uh, and and food allergies in some mm. cases yeah. any specific use case which you want to cite and mm. and share so that people can understand it uh, mm. in a better way correct so i think uh, like i said that one of the main misconceptions that people also have about um you know foods are that often they are always thinking that unless and until like the very common one that i i'd probably not cite one example but a common thing which we come across in our practice and i see that every very often is that uh often till somebody doesn't come in and say you know what i had a really terrible stomach bug or i had a really bad infection they people don't recognize that there is probably an imbalance in the system so you know you're waiting for like a really really bad episode of maybe you've had like 10 episodes of diarrhea or you've had severe vomiting or if you've had a really bad presentation of itching and then you realize that okay you know what i want to take care of this issue i probably may have an issue often what i really feel is that people think that you know the i'm not saying that imbalance yes it's not like today maybe you go you eat a street food tomorrow and that's yeah. not really hygienic and you pick up a bug from that that's very possible i'm not saying that's yeah. not possible but it's also very important to understand that it is about the it's about the terrain of the host the terrain of the host what i mean is that not everybody like let me give you a simple example there could be two best friends and those two best friends can say that okay one both of them eat that meal together yeah. and they eat their favorite maybe say pani puri together at the stall and one person falls terribly sick and nothing happens to the other person yes. the misconception here is saying that okay you know what maybe i think it just i probably overate so i got it the point is to say that maybe that's not just because you overate that extra three puris over your friend exactly. it could be to do with the fact that you probably don't have a very uh, you know symbiotic or you don't have a very synergistic kind of relationship in your gut microbiome which uh-huh. has caused you to have more predisposition to getting that infection over your friend your friend True. may have a more True. balanced gut than you do and True. that could be the reason why and this may have just been like you know it's like the last hammer on the brick wall yes. but not necessary this was the only hammer there must have been many a times that you must have seen that there will be small small episodes Absolutely. where you kind of tie back again in memory and see okay you know what i had this reaction yeah. then and that is only when you go through something like this that you realize you know why did this happen to me uh-huh. so my major misconception i see in people is that don't wait till the final kind of you know hammer hits the brick wall yes. look at smaller episodes and try to at least evaluate or you know understand why they have happened in the past yes. and that may help you to be probably nip some kind of a imbalance in the bud much earlier than waiting True. for you to kind of go into a you know huge long course of antibiotics and then you know deal with a lot of tests and do a lot of things yes. and then realize that okay now something is finally wrong with my gut so this is one misconception that i think and you know this brings me to an amazing fact alok which i'd love to share is that uh-huh. you know we all know that our fingerprints are unique right to each person yes if you realize a gut microbiome is also unique to each person there is no one person Very in the world fact, absolutely who has the same microbiome so you can imagine the kind of diversity of microbiome that you can see or feel and that could be oh. another reason why somebody reacted to something and somebody did not react to something absolutely. when they ate it very informative and i would say very interesting fact you because i mean majority of us would not be yeah. even aware uh, we feel okay yes genes are different chromosomes yeah. are different but uh, it could be like even in our body everything is 
I mean, each individual has it has their own uh, yeah. uh, way to react. Each individual has yeah. their own way to take food, and and the body reacts to it in a in a different way. None. Could you please share some of the examples of how gut microbiome can mm-hmm. impact our overall well-being, mm-hmm. especially when we the food that we eat makes us yeah right. So how exactly keeping the gut healthy can mm-hmm. can really help us to improve mm-hmm. our personality, can help us to improve yeah. our health overall. Yeah. Right. So like we already spoke about the fact that the gut has uh, the microbiome and the gut. primarily has a lot of things to take care of apart from just your digestion yes. and the other important aspect of looking at it is that you know i think uh, maybe i'm going to sidetrack this a little bit and come to the point where i'm going to say that people need to start realizing how important it is to even look at say for example being one in alignment with the food that they are eating one is True. to understand your intolerance allergy that we already yes. spoke about but connecting with your food today half the times we probably find people having issues because they may be on a deadline call they may be watching instagram on the phone yes. maybe the tv is on maybe they're doing 10 things and then they're eating that meal expecting that breakdown of that food to happen well in the system and for that to get absorbed and clearly so many signals are getting passed into the system at that time that it's not going to be able to focus on one aspect it's as good as talking about somebody being at their optimal productive best when they're doing one thing or yeah. not so you can't expect your body to all the time be in synergy of multitasking and then still do a very important function every day i think we often take digestion for granted in our system that ye yes. to ho jayega oh, yeah. which yes. should not be the case so essentially the way that you break down food and absorb the nutrients can literally demonstrate everything from how often do you get a b12 deficiency how well do you absorb the iron in your system and how much your hemoglobin is yeah. how much is your ferritin level or your zinc levels which have a huge connection to low stomach acid issues where people complain about acidity all the time yes. it has an impact to that as well again another very important aspect is that when you're looking at production of serotonin and dopamine in the gut which yes. is about you know 75% of like more than 70% of serotonin is produced in the gut 50% of dopamine yes. is produced in the gut when you're looking at that they are a happy hormones so that also has they are basically produced like i said in the gut where when there is an imbalance yes. when we are not absorbing our food well when we're not breaking down our food well when the gut is compromised with dysbiosis you will see that we will have less of these kind of um, you know happy hormones in our system and you know, you realize that people are feeling fatigued all the time people are uh-huh. feeling tired all the time they don't feel exactly. like themselves anymore the confidence levels goes down they feel like they're not the happier version of themselves most of the times it doesn't happen overnight a That's lot right. of these things are to do with constantly not being able to create that kind of a balance in the body where you have enough of these neurotransmitters being produced as well so all of these connections do have a lot with your gut health as well and that is why it's important that overall when you look at gut health you're looking at a uh, multiple aspects of how it could impact your system and often just saying that you know what oh i just think that these days i'm really stressed so i'm not in a good mood yeah. or i'm yeah. not happy should not be the yes. answer you take for granted uh-huh. always try to look beyond the layer that you see because Absolutely. you by the time you felt it your body has felt it maybe for many months before you have come True. into cognition of realizing Yes. and being able to cognify that this is happening to me right now 
so i think that's very essential to start bringing more centered awareness into your system of how your body is responding to different things and then not leaving it only at a surface area but trying to understand the real causes behind it also i mean uh, that helps me to uh, say understand mm-hmm. i think uh, today it's been talked about everyone talks about mindful eating absolutely right? and you talked about connecting with the food so are they part of the same coin or are they mm-hmm. one and the other similar yeah. things or yeah. is there any connection between the four absolutely so mindful eating and you know obviously eating in alignment with your food is almost like the same thing i'll come back to this beautiful term that i learned off when i was studying and i still continue to study i love studying about this subject it really uh, excites me every other day to absolutely. keep pursuing this this is beautiful term called intuitive eating now oh, intuitive okay. eating comes from the space where we say that we were born with knowing uh-huh. what exactly our system likes in terms of being in balance now the foods that we need to eat the things that the choices that we make um so when you see like i said that you know and when do we need to eat what is the yes. right time to eat you see a baby today the baby knows how to sleep eat poop and that's it yes. and they were not necessarily taught that this is something that came intuitively from their intrinsic being now that is something we've known before we've known anything else in the world But exactly. today, most of our issues, if you go back and see, uh-huh. are going back to not pooping well. Ninety percent yes. of the people I meet are having pooping issues. Uh-huh. Another ninety percent of the people that you are looking at, as uh-huh. the same people, are also having sleep issues. True. And they're today also having issues with not being able to eat the foods that they want to eat, or they can't tolerate food. So it's going back to intuitively trusting what your mm-hmm. body knew about the real truth of what your body thinks is balanced for it, and for. balance could look different or allostasis can look different uh-huh. for every person so i think essentially mindful eating is just going back to recognizing when your body is giving you the cues that you need to listen to yes. and completely being able to be one with the food to yes. be able to recognize that okay you know what this is what this food makes me feel number one exactly. and also connecting with the food with all your senses when you are eating it because like i said True. that we are so invested in so many different things that you a you are not even realizing the food you are eating and b obviously after that there's no there's no chance uh-huh. that you'll realize how it's impacting your body Absolutely. as well yes. so really understanding that meal time is sacred time our grandparents yes. used to follow this rule no matter what everybody would sit down with thalis just eat food Very. maybe you know just have a good time talk with each other just enjoy their food completely and yes. they normally it's just going back to that particular thing where there was non distracted eating that is again going back to just mindful eating and connecting with your food thank you janvi that's amazing brilliant insights and i'm sure everyone is quite excited to learn about gut health from you let's continue our discussion in the next episode Stay tuned for more and learn about gut brain connection in our next episode with Janvi Chitalia. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening. We hope you had key takeaways from today's episode and learned something new. Don't forget to download and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. In the meantime, reach out to us on Instagram at @fitaerobic or through our website fitaerobic.com. And remember, Failures will only make you strong and better learn.
Take care, stay healthy, and living a fulfilling life with Fit Aerobic.